Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. We're going to be looking at James 1, 22 through 25 today and talking about the theme, translating the word into action. One of the great challenges that we have as members of the human family is taking what the Bible has to say and making it a part of our everyday lives. Someone has said that from time to time we tend to mark our Bibles. The problem, however, is not that we mark our Bibles, but that our Bibles do not mark us. And I think really what that writer was saying is, we have to take what God has said, internalize it, and live it out every day here upon planet Earth. And so really we are trying to the best of our ability to translate the Word of God into action. We want to put it into motion, so to speak. And so as we think about what James said in verses 22 through 25, I want us to begin by talking about our reception of the Word. As we think about our reception of the Word, really we are emphasizing our acceptance of God's Word into our lives. Look, if you would, at verse 21. In verse 21, here's what James said, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted or engrafted word which is able to save your souls. When we talk about the implanted or engrafted word, the idea is that the heart is like soil. Soil, as you well know, will yield fruit if the right kind of seed is placed in it. And of course, there are some things that go along with the seed being planted in the soil. Well, the Word of God is to be planted into the hearts and lives of people. When that Word is planted, it has the ability to germinate and to yield fruit. But there are a couple of requirements. First of all, there has to be preparation. Just as a farmer has to prepare his fields for the planting of seeds, our hearts have to, be pray, have to be prepared for the reception of the Word of God. So when we talk about this idea of preparation, let me just call attention again to what James said in verse 21. He said, receive with meekness the engrafted or implanted Word. I think about when we open the Word of God, when we listen to what is said from the Word of God, there are no preconceived notions, there are no prejudices on our part, but rather we have a meek, a gentle spirit. We're like Samuel of old, who said in the long ago, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. 
We want to have, as Jesus said in Luke 8, verse 15, an honest and good heart. We want to have the kind of heart that is willing to yield to what God has said. In other words, we're not going to argue about what God has said. We're, gonna, we're not going to say, yes, but. The goal is going to be, here's what God has said. What I want to do is take that word, make application, and ultimately bring forth fruit in my life. And then there's a second thing, and that is cultivation. We talk about preparation and cultivation. And I said just a minute ago that farmers will sometimes prepare their fields. They will also cultivate. There are a lot of things that go into that. They have to turn the soil. They have to, they have to pull the weeds. They have to use fertilizer. It has to be an abundance of water. All of these things are necessary for seed to germinate and ultimately to yield fruit. Well, when it, when it comes down to being receptive to the Word of God and this Word bringing forth fruit in our lives, we have to cultivate the weeds, if you please, from our hearts and lives. Let me just illustrate it like this. If you look over in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about in chapter 1 those that have obeyed the gospel through the Spirit. He said they have been born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, by the word of God which lives and abides forever. Down in verse 25, he said, this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. So you make the transition into chapter 2, verse 1, and, he'll, and you'll hear him say, therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Here is somebody that is willing to lay aside certain things that are unbecoming of a Christian. Paul in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4 and Colossians chapter 3, he will use the figure of speech of putting off and putting on. We lay aside certain things and then we pick up certain things. In other words, we lay aside certain characteristics and we put on certain characteristics. Well, listen to what James said. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. So there is preparation and then there is cultivation. What we're trying to do is to extract from our lives anything that would be unbecoming of a child of God. We want to rid ourselves of those things, to literally strip them away, and put on those characteristics that are becoming of a child of God. Now, we talk about the implanted word, what it requires. Now note, if you would, its results. What are the end results of the implanted word? Well, listen again to what James said. Receive with meekness the engrafted or implanted word, which is able to save your soul. God's word, when it rules or reigns in the heart, has the power to lead us home. What is it we're striving for? We want to go to heaven, don't we? Our ultimate goal, goal is to one day be with God in heaven. Now we talk about the importance of taking this book, we call it the Bible, and making it a part of everyday living. We talk about the importance of honoring the will of God. And one of the ways that we show our love for God is by doing His will. 
Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John would say in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, this is the love of God, that you keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome or grievous. And the idea that, that John is conveying to those of us who, who are members of the body of Christ is we show our love to God by simply honoring his will. When we honor his will, we have the promises contained in scripture, the promise of eternal life. Here's what, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, John would say, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. So one day we have the opportunity of being with God in heaven. We, we live according to his will. Now, let me just preface this by saying we're not perfect people. No one is perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need the Lord. We are imperfect people striving to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're trying to pattern our lives after him. We're trying to walk in his footsteps. But we have the assurance that as long as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Christ constantly is at work in our lives. That's what John said in 1 John chapter 1 at verse 7. Now, secondly, let's talk for just a minute about our reflection of the word. First, there is our reception of the word, and then there is our reflection. What is our attitude toward the word of God? When you look at what James says in verses 22 through 25, he has under consideration here a couple of types of hearers. And as we, as we look at what he says, there is first of all the forgetful hearer. And then secondly, there is the faithful hearer. So having said that, look at verse 22. In verse 22, James said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Did you know that the word of God is literally a mirror to the soul? When I open this book and begin to read its contents, what does it do? Well, it points out any flaws, mistakes, shortcomings that might be in my life. And then on the other hand, it tells me what I'm doing right. It enables me to see those things that I'm doing that are pleasing in the eyes of God, those things that are bringing forth fruit to the glory of God, that's what the word does. And so James uses the illustration of a mirror. And so when you and I open this book and begin to read and to study and to meditate on its con contents, then we can see clearly where we stand in the eyes of God. Now there are two types of hearers that James has under consideration. The first is a forgetful hearer. So having said that, look at verse 23. He's just said we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In verse 23, he said, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. The mirrors that they used in ancient times were polished metal, some type of tin or copper. And they would use these to, to groom by, to look into, in verse 24, he said, he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. When you read this, you might get, you might get the impression that here's somebody who's standing, standing in front of a mirror, and 
he's carelessly looking into this mirror. In other words, he's not attentive to what he sees, but that's really not the case here. Here's somebody who is looking into this mirror. He's gazing into it. He's beholding himself in this mirror. And he leaves. He just doesn't, he just doesn't take any action. In other words, I, I think about somebody who gazes into a mirror. And, and they see the reflection is not what they would desire. Hair's messed up. Shirts wrinkled, maybe need a, need a shave. But rather than doing something about it, they don't do anything. Well, the forgetful here is somebody who looks into the word of Almighty God. And rather than taking action, they go off to do other things. A couple of types of hearers. First, there are those who are indifferent to the Word of God. Now, I said just a minute ago, here's somebody who stands in front of the mirror. They see that their appearance is not what it ought to be. But they just don't do anything about it. There are some people, they just don't care. You ever seen people like that? They don't care if their shirt's wrinkled. They don't care if their hair's messed up. They don't care if they haven't had a shave in two or three days. Or a woman. She doesn't care if she, if she has on makeup or not. She, she doesn't care what her, what her hair looks like. She doesn't care about how she's dressed. She's just not in tune to those things. She's indifferent. There are some people that are indifferent when it comes to the Word of God. I mean, when it's all said and done, the bottom line is... They just don't care. That's a terrible attitude to have. Here's somebody, they hear what God is saying. They read this book, they read it, they intently look at what the Lord is saying. But when you cut to the chase, they just don't care. In Revelation chapter 3, we have Jesus looking into the church at Laodicea. And when Jesus looked into the heart of the Laodicean people, his conclusion was they were apathetic. They were lukewarm, lethargic. He said they weren't hot, they weren't cold, they were indifferent. There are some people like that when it comes to the truth of Almighty God. They just don't care. They know what God wants. They know the expectations set forth in Scripture. They know that God has said you need to do this. You need to live this way. You need to put away certain things. You need to put on certain things. But when it's all said and done, they just don't care. There's a second class of indifferent hearers. And that is... Well, there's a second class of forgetful hearers. Not only are some indifferent, but some are insubordinate. And by that I mean they're rebellious. Let me give you an example of that. In Jeremiah chapter 6, 
Jeremiah has been called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, Jeremiah began his prophecies on the eve of Babylonian captivity. God's people were about to be taken into 70 years of captivity. And so here is Jeremiah the prophet pleading with the people, preaching to them, trying to encourage them to do what's right. And so in Jeremiah chapter 6, he would say, Stand ye in the way and see, and as for the old paths wherein is the good way, and walk therein. And he said, you will find rest unto your souls. But do you know what they said? Here was the attitude of God's people. They said, we will not walk therein. Now, we talk about people who are indifferent to the word of God. These people weren't really indifferent. They were just insubordinate. Here's the prophet saying, look, here's what you need to do. You want to find rest? You want to find security? You want, you want to find peace? You want to find happiness? You want to enjoy the blessings of Almighty God? Then just do what's right. But their attitude, we're not going to do what's right. We're not going to walk in the old path. We're not going to do what God says. I think about all of the miseries and heartaches that people sometimes find themselves in here on planet Earth, and a lot of those heartaches and miseries can be tied back to one thing. People have ignored this book. You want to have a good home? Read this book and make application. You want to have a life that is free from care and anxiety and guilt and shame? Then just follow this book. But if you bow up and you say, I'm not going to live like that, well, just stand back. Consequences will follow. Now, what about the faithful hearer? There is the forgetful hearer, but what about the faithful hearer? Listen to what James said in verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. First, there is the examination of the word of God. And the word looks in verse 25 means to stoop down and look, to gaze intently. Here's somebody who is looking intently into this book with the mindset, I'm going to glean something from it. Do you remember the psalmist back in Psalm 1 at verse 2? When it was said of him that he meditated on this law and he did so both day and night, do you remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 97? Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. I think about somebody who's, who's looking into this book that we call the Bible. And they are looking with the intent of learning and growing and maturing in the faith and being all that God would have them to be. That's the idea here. So there is, first of all, the examination. But examination can only take us so far. What we have to do is make application. So what about application of the word? Let me just call attention to verses 25 through 27. In verses 25 through 27, James talks about some practical ways that we can internalize and apply the word to our lives. What we want to do is translate this word into action. So first of all, he deals with our speech. Notice what he says in verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is use useless. All James is saying here is, if you are a Christian, 
If you're a child of God, you're going, you're going to learn to put a bridle on that tongue. Now over in chapter 3, James is going to talk about how the tongue is a little member that boasts great things. If you want to think about the practicality of the book of James and you want to see an Old Testament counterpart to this book, then look at the book of Proverbs. James is like a New Testament Proverbs. And there are a lot of practical statements applicable to Christian living. And so James is saying here, is, what, he, what he's really saying here is, a true child of God makes sure that his tongue is in check. Here's what Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. In Colossians chapter 4, at verse 6, he would talk about how our speech needs to be seasoned with salt. As a child of God, I, I do not need to use profanity. I don't need to gossip. I don't need to make slanderous accusations. I need to use my tongue positively and not negatively. There is a second thing. James talks about our service. Look at verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. He's not talking here about paying someone a visit per se in their home, while that's all well and good. What James is saying is from a practical vantage point, there are people who are out here that need our financial help. They may need our moral support. They might need our encouragement. Specifically, he's talking about widows and orphans. And he's saying that if these people need our help, what we need to do is help them. Like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 when he said, I was hungry and what would you do? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was without clothing. What would you do? You clothed. I was a stranger. You took me in. In other words, I didn't have a place to live, so you gave me a place to live. I was sick and in prison. And what would you do? You visited me. Ministering to the needs of people. That's practical New Testament Christianity. That's translating the word into action. Here's what, here's what Paul said. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In verse 10 of Galatians 6, he would say, Let us, as we have opportunity, do good to all men and especially them which are the household of faith. So as a child of God, I examine the word, but then I want to apply the word. One of the ways that I apply the word, I control my speech. A second way that I apply the word, I get involved. I am a part of the work of the, of the church. As the community of the saved, as a part of the ecclesia, I'm doing what I can to help my fellow man. There's a third practical su suggestion. And that is separation from the world. Look again at verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. The challenge that we face as New Testament Christians is to not allow the world to pour us into its mold. That's what, that's what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. 
Paul would say, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. In James 4.4, James would say, ye adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. We don't want to talk like the world, using bad language. We don't want to be like the world from the vantage point that we're constantly out as verbal assassins, running down people, gossiping about people, hurting people. We don't want to be like the world when it comes to how the world dresses. There are some folks in the world, let me just, let me just be very honest. There are some folks in the world and some in the church, they need to put some clothing on. They don't wear enough. I'm just being honest. I understand people in the world, but James is talking to Christians. As a Christian, we, get, we have to control our speech. We have to make sure that our dress is becoming of that, is becoming of, of a New Testament Christian. When, when it comes to places we frequent, there are certain places that, that I don't go to. Because I know that things that take place in those places are not becoming of a child of God. I don't go to bars. I don't go to taverns. I don't go to casinos. And the reason is because I don't have any business being in those places. But the challenge is rising above the world. When we buy into the world, we are buying into a system that is contrary to the will of God. Here's what John said, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, there are two systems in direct opposition to one another, the world and God. The world system, wearing out, fading out, running down, and will one day be done away. God's system, it's right, wholesome, pure. It's eternal. So, let me ask this question. Are you translating the Word of God into action? We have to take this book that we call the Bible and take it beyond mere theory. It can't just be theory. It has to be practice. We've got to take it outside the laboratory into life, putting it into action. Here's what Paul said in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, let it find a home in your heart. Once it finds a home in your heart, here's what you need to do. Make application. Live it out, day in, day out. Did you know that one of the greatest ways that we can evangelize is by the way we live? Read 1 Peter chapter 3 sometime. Peter there talks about a Christian woman living with an unchristian husband, an unbeliever. And here's what Peter said. That believing wife doesn't have to beat her husband over the head and drag him to church services. What she needs to do is live a Christian life day in and day out. Because Peter said that they may be one by what? By their example. 
the way she carries herself is a glowing example of what Christianity ought to be. So, in conclusion, are you a child of God? Are you living as God would have you to be? If you're here today and you're not a child of God, why not take that first step? Why not believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus himself said, except you believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. And then repent. Give up a life of sin. Put off that old man. And then the Bible says we are to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, Jesus to be the Son of God. And then why not be baptized into Christ so that every sin can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. When you do that, God will put you in the body, Acts 2, 47. You'll enjoy all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. You will not be a finished product. You will just be getting started. You'll be a babe in Christ. But you can grow. You can mature. You can translate this word into action. You can live in such a way so that one day God will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.